Hello, and welcome to the biggest show we've ever had on screen cleaning. And why is that, Cole Wissinger? We are celebrating our 100th podcast of screen cleaning. (coughs) Is right, Cole, because everything that we've done these past few years leads up to this moment. A hundred is what we've been waiting for. That was really the goal. After this, it's all downhill. I might just not come to work tomorrow. And Cole, well, tomorrow is Saturday, so. I definitely won't come to work tomorrow. And it's Labor Day weekend, too, to boot. Um, But Cole, what do we do for a hundredth episode of Screen Cleaning? Well, we talk about screens, we talk about movies and television, and when TV shows wanted to celebrate a very special anniversary... They did a clip show. So today on Screen Cleaning, we're doing our own kind of clip show. A clip show. I wonder what we would pull from our past to show on a clip show. (laughs) Cole, this is our first episode of Screen Cleaning ever. I I think we're going to be talking about it 99 episodes later. I sure hope so, Jeffrey. (laughs) Wow, that was fascinating, Cole. I promise the clips that we share will be much more interesting than that, and probably much more interesting than what you would get on a lot of clip shows that you see on television but these days. But there will be flashbacks, and there will be enjoying the past 99 episodes, and even some of the stuff from before we had our own podcast, some of the stuff that's never been on this feed before, we're going to play for you today. That's so exciting. Well, we have to do what we've been doing for the past 99 shows, and we've got to share with you some of the best news over the past week. And that's what we really do on Screen Cleaning. We've always shared the best in entertainment news because the whole point of Screen Cleaning is to shine a spotlight on the good in entertainment. We don't focus on the gossip, the bad stuff that's happening. There's plenty of that in the news, so why bother? Because there's so much good to talk about. Right. So, Cole... um. I was it took me a while to get on board with this particular TV show and you kept scratching your head and and throwing your hands up in the air in frustration that I it took me a long time to get around to watching Mandalorian. There were gentle nudges from my but point of view. By the time I started watching it, I was able to just binge it because I had waited so long that you know as each week rolled on and there was a new episode, I just sat back and Bided my time is is bided the uh, the Bode? past uh, is it Biden Have maybe bitten? maybe it's Biden. Um, <laughs> you bode your time to wait for Mandalorian. It's not often enough that our stream in our streaming world that shows are patient and just send it out one week at a time. Mandalorian's one of them, and we've been patient enough. And now season two has an official release date, October thirtieth, just in time for Halloween. Cole can't wait. Maybe there will be a Halloween clip show on the Mandalorian season season two. One could hope. Probably not. (laughs) One of my favorite kinds of news that I've done over the years is of a certain comic book variety. Look, it's a bird. It's a plane. Uh, It's this week in DC News. I didn't get to talk about fandom enough whenever it happened a couple weeks ago, so we have new trailers for the Batman, Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, etc. That was this week in DC News. During our 100th show, we're going to try to bring back as much stuff as we have done over the past 100 shows. And 
This Week in DC News harkens back to a time when it seemed like every single week they were giving us one piece of news and then kind of walking it back and then saying, oh, someone will be cast, and then, no, no, he's not. And then we got a different director, and then I guess not. But right now, DC is kind of solidified, and DC Fandom was a really exciting time for DC movie fans. We got trailers, like I said, for Wonder Woman 84 that's coming out later this year in theaters where it can and on streaming elsewhere. Suicides, The Suicide Squad by James Gunn has a full cast listing. The Batman with Robert Pattinson, sick as he may be right now, he got done filming it, and so we're going to get a look at that, and the new Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. I'm glad that you brought up that uh, This Week in DC News stinger, that that little musical intro to what you wanted to just share there, because you're going to be hearing some of the other stingers that we've used on the show over the years, and, uh, you know... Cole, I hope that we're going to play at the end of the show, which we always do, our panning for good stinger. I played that for my kids the other day. They thought it was funny, and they wanted to play it over and over and over again. Did you let them in on the secret that their dad was the prospect? Well, and then I did it live for them, <laughs> and they got to enjoy it a little bit more. So, Cole, for people like me who, you know... You've got a lot of kids. You try to be budget conscious, but you also try to be the cool dad that has the newest kids movie when it first comes out. Luckily, we're going to be going over to my sister-in-law's house to watch Mulan, which is the big uh, streaming release of the day and probably possibly of the year, Cole. But the big news as far as Mulan is concerned, other than it's out today, is that if you wait just a few more months... December 4th is when Disney Plus will start airing Mulan on Disney Plus for free for Disney Plus For all of its other subscribers, as opposed to the $30 fee um, that you would have to pay right now. And to talk more about Mulan, speaking of music and stingers that we love to play, our favorite movie reviewer, Rod Gustafson, is in the house. Now, wait a minute, Cole. I know that Rod Gustafson is sitting right here, so you have to you have to say that. But I thought I was your favorite movie reviewer. I mean, I'm probably my favorite movie reviewer, <laughs> and then Rod, and then like Roger Ebert, and then Jeffrey Simpson, and then oh, well, that's that's good company right yeah, there. Top Rod, five. Rod's probably my favorite movie reviewer too, and I'm not just saying that because he's sitting a safe six feet away from me. But Rod, welcome back to Screen Cleaning. Uh, well, it's good to be here, but. Guys, a hundred shows. I don't see cake. I don't see donuts. Where's the craft services, as they say in the industry? Like, I mean, I figured there'd be something going here. I mean, I at least expected some popcorn out of Jeff Simpson, but it's all right. So other than the people that are going to mooch off of their in-laws, tell us about the option that uh, <laughs> that most of the other people have and whether it's worth it based on the quality of the movie. This was... Amazing to look at visually. That's the first thing I want to say. But are you trying to I soften was, the blow? I'm right? trying to soften. Oh, the blow. even no. not on a big about screen. About ten minutes in, Cole and I were watching this together, and about ten minutes in, I said, "When are people going to start singing?" <laughs> you didn't know it wasn't a music. No, you know I oh, like going into movies no. rather just you know totally clueless. And so uh, yeah, when nobody started singing, I was I I had to reorient myself to. 
This is the new Mulan, which there was is, also a distinct lack of Eddie Murphy. Yeah, there was a movie. distinct lack of Eddie Murphy, and it also the biggest thing that hit me with this film is first of all, so it is PG thirteen for stylized violence and that type of thing, and uh, and I think it will be a little bit scary for for little kids. But the other thing was this seemed to come across as much more as of a social commentary film on 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 sexual on sexual uh, equality and that type of thing then it was a story about a battle like the previous Mulan was and that's not necessarily bad i thought that there were some good messages in this movie but it took me probably most of the movie to get my head around just how different it was because some of these Disney live action films have been criticized for being almost shot for shot. By me specifically. Like, this is is weird because for the past four of these, right, Lion King comes out, Aladdin comes out, they're just shot for shot. There's no reason for these to happen. And I come on here and I say, it's fun to see it in live action, but honestly, the original is still better. Mm -hmm. And I want it to go in a different direction. And now this does go in a very different direction. It's it's much more grounded. It, we have visceral action. It's got war sequences, and it separates itself from just like the fluffy, it you know, musical and, and funny stuff. And I was still kind of bored, and I still don't think it's a great movie. And so now I don't know which direction I want these remakes to go because they tried one thing. It didn't work for me. They tried another. Now that's not working for me. I'm just going to wow. stick and, with the 90s version. And that was honestly. difficult for me, too, because I, I, as much as the original animated story probably wasn't very true to Chinese culture and many other things that were going on in that movie, as far as sitting down and being entertained for an evening, it was more engaging and entertaining for me. This one... Maybe entertaining is the wrong word, but this is an action film, you know, and and I was a little disappointed. They got rid of the Huns and they've replaced the the antagonist as some evil dude who's been, you know, he sold his soul to some mystical spirit and this type of thing. Are you telling me that uh, officially Cinderella is still the best live action Disney movie that Disney has put out? Funny you should say that. I totally agree. Okay. That one blew We're me unanimous. away. Which was, I think, that was the first one, wasn't it? Because they it did something yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. And that one, I still, I totally agree. You too, Cole? I didn't know this. That's my yeah. favorite We agree Disney on action. something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is unprecedented, sure. folks. It is worth seeing on a the biggest screen you can find in your house and sit close to get that experience because visually okay. that was that was and the, the music part that was also the, most the visuals and yes. the music and they the music. incorporate some of those songs yeah. even though no one's singing it even though Donny Osmond isn't around to yeah. to serenade us we yeah. do Let's get some get of the riffs I know I, I, I started singing mm-hmm. Cole wasn't I've impressed. never even seen that but I know that part when was I that pretty s- good was that right it's you were singing it correctly yes but you still need to go watch the original okay. When I started singing I'll Make a Man Out of You, Cole wasn't impressed. He, okay. That's when he said, Broad, it's not a musical. Speaking of, of seeing something on the biggest screen you can find, I really wanted to see this next film on the biggest screen I could find. I could not convince my wife. The movie times just weren't right for our situation. Shot for IMAX. So we saw a movie shot for IMAX on a on regular film. screen. We did, film. we did not watch it in the, you know, the expensive seats where the sound gives you, you know, a uh, migraine. But uh, we did see it at a movie theater that felt the need to basically blast the sound at us to where you could still feel it vibrating through your body. 
and which was okay. No matter where you sit in the theater for Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan movie, uh-huh. it will give you a migraine. Right, right. And not just visually or because of the music, but because you're going to try to wrap your head around this plot, which I'm going to go out on a limb. It's not even going out on a limb. I think I speak for all of us when I say it's Christopher Nolan's most complicated plot of any movie that he's ever made. Convoluted, I think, is a more probably appropriate a good word. way. Yeah. Complicated makes it seem like... There was intention and it was supposed to be this complicated. Convoluted Mm -hmm. is more like he got lost in his own weeds. Okay. Usually when we do reviews here on the show and there's three of us, uh, between the three of us, we each give a review of a separate movie. But today we actually, the three of us are needed to try to piece together (laughs) a review for what we thought we saw and maybe understood on the screen. Without giving away spoilers, obviously. So, I don't know if I could if I tried. Yeah, I Denzel Washington's <laughs> son, is uh, he's given a code word. He's like the CIA operative, given a code word. And really, that's about all he's given. And that's really about all the audience is given, too, is we know the name of the movie, and that's about all I understood. <laughs> because throughout the course of the movie, there is time travel, there is uh, trying to steal various objects or place. Uh, what are those things called that you bury and then you pick up later in the future? Time capsules. Time capsules. There's time capsules. Um, what else is there, Cole? There's there's kind of this device that you can pop in and out of that will allow you to travel back and forth. Big old centrifuge looking thing. Yeah. But what's cool, I will say, there while I was watching this film. Uh, even though the other one one thing that was going through my head constantly was what the heck is going on, first of all. But the other thing that kept going through my mind was how did they do this? Because there's so much you see various timelines happening simultaneously. It's really cool to see what they were able to pull off. But, yeah, other than that, you're going to be scratching your heads while you're not eating your milk duds and popcorn. And I think this is part of the when you talk about the visual elements of this film, again, this is another movie, incredible visual of what they've pulled off, because there are sequences where motion is moving forwards and backwards simultaneously. And I don't know how they managed to layer that over. But the story is so difficult to figure out. We'll talk about the sound in a minute because, boy, have I got a beef about that. But (laughs) the visuals are so distracting, it's hard to keep track of the story while you're also your brain's looking at what's going on on the screen. It seems like every choice Christopher Nolan made here was to make us understand what is already, like I said, a convoluted plot less, right? So let's talk about the sound because he is blaring you with music and foley and other sound effects, natural, just wind, surf, whatever's going on. So loud. A lot of the characters are wearing masks, not in a COVID kind of a way, but in like a gas mask kind of a way or a breathing through oxygen kind of a way. And it reminds me of when The Dark Knight Rises first came out and Bane, through this weird accent, was also talking through a mask. And people complained they couldn't mm-hmm. understand the yeah. words they he's saying. They did some things in post, at least, to make him more understandable. And then they changed it later on in theaters. I, I can't help but wonder, 
Chris Nolan, for, for the whole week, I watched this on a Monday, and for the whole week I've been trying to figure out, is Chris Nolan a genius and I'm not getting it? And I've just come to the conclusion that maybe the guy made a mistake. We've all made mistakes oh, in yeah. our jobs wow. before. This morning, you know, wow. I, I made a mistake whenever I was running the board for something. I went to McDonald's for breakfast. They made a mistake whenever they were getting my drink ready. Everyone makes mistakes at their job, and so it's it's no slight on the man. He can't be perfect. The sound mixing is just a mistake. We can't understand well, what is going on. And part of the problem with this movie, though, too, it's got that trifecta thing going on, a producer, director, you know, writer, and Chris when... Chris Nolan credited for all three. And when you get into that, I every time I see one of those films, I think, okay, this is, you know, this could get... It's a runaway train. Who and, was the guy that was supposed to sit Chris Nolan down yeah, and say, and hey, say, wait a second? Yeah, I can't understand what your, what your characters are saying. Gosh. So... Yeah, I totally agree. I think between the music, which was, I mean, very well done. The same guy that did the music for Black Panther. Ludwig Gorenson. Won an Oscar mm-hmm. for it. Between the music, the accents, and the way that they just throw away exposition like it's nothing, you're going to have a difficult time understanding not only the dialogue, but certainly the plot of this movie. Does anybody else want to take a stab at what the basic premise of the movie is? The future is visiting us. Okay. And there's this nine-part code that will help unlock how to have the future not destroy the present through paradoxes. And if you thought Christopher Nolan was a big fan of uh, flashbacks and flash-forwards in his previous movies, if you thought that he liked to play around with chronology, this movie is really going to throw your head for a spin. And to its credit, right, I— I disliked Dunkirk because I felt like it didn't need that timey element to it. This, from the start groundwork of this movie, is just about time as opposed to the movie called About Time. But this, Which this is movie a great movie. It's yeah. just about time travel. And so, of course, it is that. And so that that's fine. There's just other weird things about it that make it not my favorite. Well, my biggest beef with it is, I mean, The Guardian this morning, I found a great article in there where they're saying, you know what? This is happening more and more. And they're talking to film sound designers who are saying, we try really hard to create movies where you can hear the dialogue, but then the director says, no, I want more sound effects. And and they say that now on movies they're creating, they have multiple, multiple, like they'll have dozens of effect channels and they're overriding the dialogue that the audiences want to hear. It's not just because you're old, Rod. It's not just because I'm old. (laughs) I love that when I read that article, I thought, oh, good. Okay, I don't need hearing aids after all. And by the way, in this movie, it really is super loud. I saw it in a theater that is not what I would call probably a (laughs) top-end theater. Um, but so I don't know, maybe it would play a little bit better in a really, um, you know, I don't know what the word is, a theater that's really decked out well, but I am reading from a lot of people online. This is one I checked out, um, afterwards before I did the review who are complaining about the same thing. You know, uh, another thought that I had other than the fact that, uh, I think this is just confusing for the sake of being confusing, but also there are elements of this that remind you of one of his other movies that came out 10 years ago, Inception, which is currently enjoying a 10th anniversary Mm -hmm. re-release in theaters. And I thought, Maybe I should just go see Inception oh, yeah. again in the movie theaters. If you want to spend money in a theater, go see Inception. <laughs> I blame Inception for all of this because it was a mainstream, <laughs> successful 
kind of complicated movie that relied on the bombs, and we have just gone off the deep good, end Cole. from there. Yeah. That okay. was good. You sounded just like a French horn. All right. <laughs> well, I I am willing to bet that 100 shows from now, we will not be featuring a clip uh, of this review of Tenet, <laughs> if I had to guess. But that is the focus of the show today. We want to thank once again Rod Gustafson for being here to help us try Thanks, to make Rod. sense of Tenet. And also uh, for those of us who want to sneak peek behind the Disney curtain without having to pay for it, he uh, helped us look, take a look at Mulan on Disney+. Plus. Well, thank you. I'm going to go find a donut. <laughs> Coming up next on Screen Cleaning, we are going to deep dive into the many episodes that we've had on the show over the years and come up with some of our favorite moments. And that's up next here on Screen Cleaning. Hey, I've seen this one. I've seen this one. This is a classic. This is uh, where Ralph dresses up as a man from space. What do you mean you've seen this? It's brand new. Yeah, well, I saw it on a rerun. It's a rerun. You'll find out. That, of course, is a clip from the great movie Back to the Future. Speaking of clips and using old footage, that's something that Back to the Future did to great effect. And all these years later, we're still listening. And I wonder if 30 years from now, people will still be listening to screen cleaning. If I have anything to say about it. (laughs) Yes. So that's kind of the idea that we're going to touch upon today. Um, This isn't an excuse to rerun old portions of screen cleaning episodes. Yeah, it, is. Uh, it is? Totally. Oh, okay. We have good stuff, Jeffrey. We do. I'm not ashamed of it. And we want to highlight some of the good shows and good segments that we've had over the years that we want to uh, make you aware of and also remind you that you can look up each and every one of these old shows that we're about to mention on our podcast. Just Google Screen Cleaning Podcast. You can look up our show on byuradio.org. You can hear us live every week on 107.9. But uh, really, the podcast is a great way to hear all the past episodes that we've had. Unfortunately, you won't get to hear some of the older episodes that we had when we were a segment of the Matt Townsend Show, which is where I kind of want to begin, Cole. We had our humble beginnings. Uh, really, I, I think I can throw Matt Townsend under the bus a little bit because he's no longer here at BYU Radio. But Matt Townsend was thrilled when he found out that I wanted to do an hour-long movie segment on the Matt Townsend Show because— The last hour on a Friday. That meant he that gets to duck out a little early. He got to duck out a little early. Sign and it up. also opened the door for one Cole Wissinger, who uh, from the very beginning has has been the co-host of Screen Cleaning, even though Screen Cleaning wasn't always its own show. It used to be called Screen Cleaning on the Matt Townsend Show. And uh, some of our, our favorite segments and some of our, uh, some of our favorite episodes kind of stem back to that other iteration of screen cleaning. And uh, we've used some of those ideas and segments to great effect, I think, over the years on screen cleaning proper, which is finally its own show. That you can catch a hundred different podcast episodes as of when this one shows up. But when we actually did the very first episode of what is now known as screen cleaning, 
um, we thought it would be fitting to do a show called Formative Films. So this is one of my top five favorite episodes of Screen Cleaning because right off the bat, you get a really good look at the tastes, preferences, and maybe even the psyches of Cole Wissinger and me, Jeff Simpson, because one of the one of the formative films that I mentioned in that episode was The Wizard of Oz and how that creeped into my subconscious. And I would have these recurring nightmares that featured the Wicked Witch of the West. And also the reason that was a formative film is because my brothers would dress me up and make me sing. Uh, if I were the king of the forest. Forest! In, you know, in that operatic style, too. And I really, I really tried to dig deep to find a, a clip of that, a video clip of that. My, I turned to my brother and we just couldn't find it, which is a shame. It's lost in the Simpson archives somewhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's got to be one of my top five favorites on screen cleaning, formative films. And it's really easy for you to find because it'll be the first one on our podcast. We've had a lot of amazing guests on the show through the years, but my personal favorite came in an episode called Movies Are the Real Final Frontier, where I got to talk to Walter Koenig, the man that played Chekhov in the original Star Trek series. But he's just one of several guests we've had and and gotten to interview on the show. There was also Owen Coffer, the author of Artemis Fowl that we spoke to before that movie adaptation. Brian Finn, who's a local Utah filmmaker and also former stuntman in the industry. We've had a couple of BYU's professors in the animation department, their award-winning animation department. And Neil Harmon, one of the guys in charge of VidAngel, have all graced our show throughout the years. Uh, But again, my favorite was talking to Walter Koenig, just geeking out about Star Trek for a little bit. I know, I mean, Rod was on that show, so we talked a little bit more about Star Trek than uh, Jeff and I did, because I guess sci-fi is one of those things that we disagree on. No, Cole and I have not disagreed or argued one bit over the years on screen cleaning, right? Well, you see, one of our original bits on the show that was birthed out of how much we argue, and one of my formative films was The Dark Knight. You're a little bit more of a fan of The Dark Knight Rises than I am. Uh, So we talked, we said we would have clips. Here's one of our many clips from a past episode on screen cleaning. When Jeff and I argued, is The Dark Knight Rises good? What you're witnessing is real. The participants are not actors. These are actual movies produced in a California movie studio. Both parties have agreed to cease their fighting and have their dispute settled here in our forum, the movie court. All right, Cole, so here's how it's going to work. You're going to have 60 seconds to give your case against The Dark Knight Rises. And when there's a 10-second warning, you'll hear that sound. And when uh, you're finished, I'm going to give my argument for The Dark Knight Rises. And again, I'll have 60 seconds. And then I might have another debate if we have time that I need to take up with you in the movie court. Are you ready, Cole? I am ready. Okay, 60 seconds starting now. Okay, so The Dark Knight Rises is obviously the weakest of his Dark Knight trilogy. That's accepted by most. But it also kind of ruins a lot of the things that I loved about The Dark Knight. It establishes a villain in a similar way to The Joker. It's just never as compelling of a villain as we get out of The Joker. You can never hear a single word or understand a word that Bane is saying outside of that mask. And even though Tom Hardy has a physical presence that's larger than mine, um, it's nothing compared to the Bane that we get in the comic books where he's an actual kind of 
infused monster that grows to be three times the size of Batman. When him and Batman have his fights, it's just a sparring match and they punch each other a little bit. Even the most cinematic moment that we've gotten in the comic books when Bane breaks Batman's back, it is kind of ruined in this movie because it's it there's not much that goes on to get us there and to lead up to it and then afterwards he just kind of gets out of it and it's an hour too long. All right. I heard your argument and now I'm going to give my argument for The Dark Knight Rises, and I don't even think I'll need 60 seconds, but 60 seconds on the clock starting now. So the reason that that Batman is the best superhero by far is because there is nothing super about him. The emotional and dramatic stakes are highest in his films because he is not only deeply flawed, but more importantly, incredibly vulnerable. And Batman is the most vulnerable in The Dark Knight Rises. The film drags our protagonist through the mud throughout the film and us along with him. As terrorists take over Gotham City, we sit on the sidelines with our hero as he loses hope and then learns to pick himself back up one last time. I know that the ending is maybe a little bit of a cliche, but it doesn't matter because at this point we're three films into it and Christopher Nolan has roped us in so well that he's got us. And I love the satisfying ending that is a little ambiguous, as all good endings are, and it gives us hope. And that's what really what we need in this day and age. Yeah! Yes! I even incorporated a... A Batman Begins line in there. Did you catch that? I did. Okay. It was okay. <laughs> but is the ending ambiguous? Like, Michael Caine sees them. They're both sitting right there. No, what I mean by ambiguous is that, um, well, you don't, that was a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Anyway, um, I love that it hints at what's to come next. But then it ends, and you know that Christopher Nolan's not making any more films, so it's up to us to decide what the future is for the Batman franchise. Well, speaking of favorite films and uh, people that are going have gone on to have amazing careers, Christopher Nolan, we've done a highlight show of his career when uh, he came out with his 10th film, Dunkirk. But uh, we also did another highlight show, and this one is my favorite. We've highlighted the careers of Tim Burton, Steven Spielberg, Harrison Ford, and just like I mentioned there, um, Christopher Nolan. But perhaps my favorite one of all is when we highlighted the career of Alfred Hitchcock. And we brought in an Alfred Hitchcock expert, so to speak, from uh, the campus of BYU to talk about some of these Hitchcock films in more detail. We shared our top five favorite Hitchcock films, and I was surprised at how different our picks were. Mine were a little more traditional. Hers were a little off the beaten path, but uh, he's had so many wonderful films over the years, and we I love to revisit his films every Halloween. Psycho is my favorite scary movie of all time. And that's a place we can agree. From Halloween on to Christmas, I think one of the coolest things that we ever did was when we recast not just a Christmas Carol, but the Christmas Carol, where one of the most retold stories from the public domain has 
had so many different movie versions. We picked our favorite Scrooge, Ghost to Christmas Past, Present, Future, The Marleys, and so on, and put it into the ultimate Christmas Carol. It was fun to watch some of the more obscure ones, some of the like TV episodes that play on the riff of A Christmas Carol, uh, and I really enjoyed that episode. Yeah. You know, we mostly talk about movies on the show, but over the years, we've ventured out a little bit to talk about video games, board games, sporting events, and probably one of the other more frequent topics that we cover is music. And one of the shows here on BYU Radio that you can enjoy and listen to that has also had many, 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 many shows is a, a show called Through the Garage Door with Don Shaline and Mark Waite, who are staples to of the uh, BYU Radio family. And we invited Don Shaline to be a part of an episode that we put together that was called Music Reinvigorated by Movies. So again, if you're if you're playing along at home, keep an ear on these titles because you'll be able to look them up a little easier. Music Reinvigorated by Movies. So we took songs that were either uh, forgotten or that were, you know, maybe were popular, but over the years were just lost in obscurity a little bit. But then when movies use them in their soundtrack, these songs sort of experienced a resurgence. And so we did a little bit of a deep dive into some of those examples, and uh, we had a great time doing it. Some of the examples that you'll hear in that episode are... um, what is it? Not uh, was it o- not O Fortuna, but the one that uh, that was used in two thousand one, a space odyssey. Bah, 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 bah. Boom 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 boom. Very good, Cole. Thanks. We didn't even rehearse that. There's well, no way we, we rehearsed used, that. We uh, used Bohemian Rhapsody from Wayne's World just to give you a couple of examples of some of the movies that reinvigorated music throughout the years. And uh, I think it'll that's a trend that will continue over the years. Another time we talked about music and sports at the same time was when we got the guy that does the stadium music for Lavelle Edwards yeah. Stadium in and kind of tested his knowledge of songs but played on an organ. Another one of my favorite episodes had a game in it too. It's Jumanji Sucked Into the Game where we got to talk to one of the artists behind an award-winning video game. We played a little video game game with him too and and uh, we've played a few games over the years on screen cleaning. Yes, yes, is... yes. I have no idea. I've Hold stumped on. the guest. Give me, give me a bare necessities. Oh, right there, there it is. I can hear I'm recipes. Jungle Book. Right? Oh my goodness, I loved that movie growing up. In the category of. <sighs> Games showing up in movies. Okay. What was the name of the monster from Dungeons and Dragons that the kids (laughs) fight in Stranger Things? Oh, I didn't know that was from uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I've just been watching Stranger Things. The first edition, too. It's one of the premier monsters. I should have gone first. Um, The only thing I know about Dungeons and Dragons... Is the movie had Jeremy Irons in it? Is the answer Jeremy Irons? No, the monster was not <laughs> Jeremy Irons. I bet Jacob knows. Would you like to steal Jacob? 
I believe it was the Demogorgon. It was oh, the Demogorgon. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Okay. Good for you. <laughs> so for those keeping track at home, it is two to nothing. Jeff is trailing. <laughs> we just talked about yes. this. Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Oh, yeah. So the character you got to choose is Oddjob because he's shorter That's than everybody else. <laughs> Paintball mode. That was so much fun. Yeah, I remember the... Uh... DK head mode where all the characters have super huge heads. Oh, that's awesome. Because that's another one of the cheap... Yep, cheap. the producer that made that game also made the Donkey Kong Countries. That's why they kind of like added that little cheat in there as well. Oh, cool. I've got that. Jeffrey? That is from Angry Birds. It is. Yes! Oh, I never played that with the sound on. But to be fair, that was made into a movie, but I recognized it from, <laughs> from the game. From the game? Yes. Okay. And Jeffrey might have the advantage because he has children. Uh, True. Is that why? Well, I've played Angry Birds a lot, but I usually have the music off. <laughs> you can't turn the music on when you're in class playing Angry no. Birds. Yeah. Right? Do you know the Green Lantern Oath? <laughs> this, is, this is the first level? Holy cow. The, the Green Lantern Oath. I believe it is I Promise Not to Be as Bad as the version with Ryan Reynolds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Not, not good enough for a point. But... Okay, what is it? Um, well, I, like, I can like give steel? Jacob a chance. Jacob knows it. Oh, of course I do. <laughs> in brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power, Green Lantern's light. Can we just make you the new Green Lantern? You sounded oh, like that, you meant it. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. That was the voice of Jacob Gowans, one of our frequent contributors to screen cleaning over the years. We also want to give a shout out to Joel Hilton, Sean O'Neill, and of course Rod and producer Mickey, who's coming back to screen cleaning. Yeah, that was fun. I've always enjoyed whenever we've played a game or trivia contest on here. Um, Cole, this is one that... This is a show that both you and I dreaded, to be honest. And we don't we don't always give that peek behind the curtain if we don't like something, right? But this is a topic that we really did not want to cover. We were dreading it as we were putting it together because the inspiration just didn't seem to be there. And yet when we put our efforts forward and we started to hash out this list, we realized this might be one of our favorite shows of all time. And not, and it was so good that we had to split it and do it in two different episodes. And these were two, our most recent episodes, Recasting Favorite Movies, Part 1 and Part 2, where we took newer movies and placed older actors into those roles. And then we took older movies and placed newer actors into those roles. And boy, oh boy, did we have a fun time. And there were even a couple of uh, picks that Cole and I chose the same person and we did these lists independently of each other yep it was so as much as we disagree on this show every once in a while we do agree on something which is why i think we've been able to remain friends over the years cole oh absolutely and spoiler alert this show is not done live it was actually halfway through recording the first version when we still assumed it was going to be one episode that we decided wow this turned out so much better than we could have hoped for absolutely I, I agree. Those were fantastic episodes and recent ones, too. There's another episode that there's no way we could have done live because it was so 
quick and rapid the way we recapped a certain franchise. When the sixth Mission Impossible movie came out, we had an episode called Mission Possible, where we made it our mission, and we chose to accept it for the day, to recap the plot and also the weird stunts and also the Tom Cruise running and also the different members of his team through the Mission Impossible movies through the years. Yeah, and we we recapped all of the movies. I think, didn't we only give ourselves like a minute or two to recap all of them? And it, it did take a couple takes it was to tough. do a few of them. It was them. tough. And, you know, we picked our favorite Bond, or uh, Bond, our favorite uh, <laughs> Mission Impossible villain, our favorite action sequence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I that is a great episode. It was a creative way to recap a franchise because it can get old just saying what the plot was over and over again. Absolutely. Well, Cole, this was another recent one that we did, although there have been several iterations of this type of, of idea. Every August slash September, parents get ready to send their kids back to school. And so back to school, back to school. To prove to dad that I'm not a fool. Now we don't need to play you that clip because Cole uh, rehashed it so well. That was Adam Sandler from Billy Madison. A movie I watched for the first time in my life in preparation for one of these back to school episodes. Right. But we've had a couple of iterations of this back to school themed show where we've admitted high school and college movies into screen cleaning University, right? You either we took nine films each time, and you either got uh, accepted to SCU, uh, rejected, or you got put on the wait list, right? I can't remember. You'll have to go back and listen to one of these episodes to find out where Billy Madison fell on that acceptance sheet. I'm willing to bet that Cole rejected it. Yeah, not too high on my personal ranking. But Billy Madison would certainly be accepted into my the – SC, the SCU that I know, Cole, would accept Billy Madison into it for sure. And my last you know, top five screen cleaning episode through the hundred – not quite hundreds, but the hundred that we had to choose from uh, – I am a big horror movie fan, and I've never made it a secret here on the show. And one of the coolest ways to look at not only horror movies, but also TV shows, and then we did a little bit of music later too, was a Halloween mixed tape where we kind of looked at different anthology series like Are You Afraid of the Dark or The Twilight Zone or Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction, and we, we took specific segments from it, limited ourselves to the six hours that go on a an old VHS tape and said what our favorites were. It's it's a fun, it's not like the normal Halloween movie stuff, uh, but we got creative. We gave ourselves some limitations and I think it turned out to be a good show. And it was one of the most technical shows that we've had because... It required math. If you're familiar with a video cassette tape, um, you know that there are different settings on it. There's like a standard play, an extended play, and each of these settings will allow you to record a certain number of hours off of the TV, right? So we we picked a setting and we stuck to that time limit. And yeah, it's fun. I can't wait to revisit that one and maybe even some of those anthology portions uh, this Halloween. One Halloween on-screen cleaning, Jeff Simpson gave a, a series of reviews counting down to Halloween. And so as we head out to break, here's one of our favorites as we're pulling fun clips from the 100 shows on-screen cleaning. This is Jeff Simpson's review of Jaws. This is Jeff Simpson here with my picks for the 12 Days of Halloween Movies. Does that music sound familiar? 
If not, then you're lying. That, of course, is from 1975's Jaws. Jaws follows the wacky adventures of a mischievous giant man-eating shark who stops by a New England summer resort town for a bite to eat. Alright, I may have sugarcoated the description a bit, but in actuality, this film is terrifying. As a kid, I only watched this movie during the day because if I watched it at night, it would give me nightmares. Oh, incidentally, nightmare is the perfect word to describe this film's production. However, budget and shark malfunction problems aside, Steven Spielberg's Jaws was a huge hit. The the film, not the Jaws at the entrance of Spielberg's mouth. That would be awkward. And also grammatically incorrect. Anyway, the film also garnered four Academy Award nominations, winning three, and contains one of the best, and also improvised, lines in cinema history. You're going to need a bigger boat. The effectiveness of this horror film doesn't come from jump scares, although there is one jump scare in the movie that is quite defective. Let's just say you probably won't ever want to go scuba diving at night again. Like any good scary movie, the chills come from well-written monologues that are well-acted and require us to use our imagination. Like this one from Robert Shaw's hardened shark hunter, Quint, describing a shark attack he witnessed after the sinking of the USS Indianapolis. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then, oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red and in spite of all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. Of course, highest praise, arguably, should go to John Williams' Oscar-winning score. Now, the film, unfortunately, was followed by three sequels. Brownie points for number two for coming up with one of the most effective ad campaigns. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, the legend continues. Oh, and it was also made into a Nintendo game. So, there you have it. My first pick for the 12 Days of Halloween Movies. Oh, and here's an idea. Why not watch it outside while floating in your pool, eating a hamburger or some other kind of junk? Go ahead. I dare you. Live from the Springfield Civic Auditorium, it's The Simpsons 138th Episode Spectacular. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from such screen-cleaning episodes as Cole Wissinger, We Hardly Knew Ye, and the 100th episode of Screen Cleaning, which you're listening to right now. I'm Jeff Simpson, actually. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we're celebrating 100 shows on BYU Radio with Screen Cleaning, and we've been playing clips throughout the show, and we've noticed that there's this kind of... uh, 
this phenomenon, well, not really a phenomenon, but at a certain point in every TV show's lifespan, there comes a point where for various reasons, whether it's budgetary reasons, whether it's laziness, whether it's self-parody, or maybe a show is going off the air soon, so they want to reminisce, they have what's called a clip show, also known as a cheater. Right. Yeah, it's cheating because they film like four minutes of framing around just playing a bunch of clips from their past episodes. Right. So we wanted to share with you some of our favorite clip shows from various TV shows that have uh, implemented this method to varying degrees of success and, for ver- as we said, for various reasons, right? Well, of course, playing clips of our own because you're listening to a very screen-cleaning clip show. At least we chose a normal number, 100, to be celebrating. I mean, I know that's like the funny of The Simpsons, picking just a random number, 138, for their clip show. Uh, But, you know, who am I to complain about The Simpsons? They are masters of parody. And we just so happen to have a master of parody on this show, too. There was a time in Screen Cleaning's history where Jeff Simpson used to write and voice act and produce these hilarious fake movie trailers based on news going around in the world and i think we have a little clip of those right now i have had it with these mother-loving snakes in this monkey fighting car i have had it with these mega-sized snakes disrupting my monday through friday delivery route it's time for me to return you to your sender I've had it with these slithery snakes in my Scooby-Doo lunchbox. I have had it with these reptile immigration officers making it too hard for law-abiding snakes to come into this country legally. In the name of all that is decent, ladies and gentlemen, do your duty. You're out of order, counselor. This whole immigration process is out of order. Samuel L. Jackson in Snakes in a Courtroom. Uh, anything else you want to say, Chief? Oh, yeah. I have had it with these mother-biting snakes and these reasonably comfortable beds. Snakes in a bed. Rest in peace. Something clip shows often do is kind of rapid-fire through the common tropes that they use in the scrubs clip show there's a whole little vignette of them falling down or tripping over stuff and in the office clip show there's a whole clump where you know it goes through the different relationships culminating in a really you know emotional moment where jim's asking out pam for the first time those are the very conventional clip shows that we get all the time no cerdos en un avion Jeff also had a couple other snakes on a, or pigs on a, or rats on a things that were in different languages that I did not include. But yeah, in the early days of screen cleaning, (laughs) Jeff was going out of his way and producing these high quality parody, fake commercials, fake movie trailers, uh, none of which have made it to episodes in our podcast of this version of the podcast that we've had 100 episodes of, but we want to get them out there somewhere because they're really good. You know, it's interesting. Speaking of somebody that had a sketch show that made use of a clip format was Dave Chappelle on Chappelle's show. This isn't a show that I would necessarily recommend, but it is notable because they only had 25 shows and yet 
five shows were clip shows. <laughs> and I think part of that is due to Dave Chappelle's uh, unavailability or, you know, lack of I don't I don't want to I don't know the whole story, but I do know that Dave Chappelle kind of just fell off the face of the earth for a while, I think due to the pressure of producing this show that really skyrocketed him on Comedy Central and was really a huge hit for them. The clip show is often the worst rated show because it's not really giving you anything new. Right. And Star Trek, certainly the next generation uh, in its only second season had to use a clip show because they were totally out of money and it almost killed the series because it was so bad and fans hated it so much that they were already getting a dang clip show in just season two. Fortunately, the show recovered and starting in season three and four the next generation became like a cultural phenomenon, but things were rough early on. But then there are then there are shows that um, will create an entirely new episode and make it seem like it is a clip show. We know that uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia has done that, where they reenact a scene from a famous Seinfeld episode, and then they come back and say, "Oh." Uh, I don't think we've ever lived in New York. Was that us? You yeah, know? They, they do the typical like coming back and, hey, you remember when that happened? And someone else is like, no, it didn't. <laughs> we were just making that up. Community does a fantastic clip show where they play it totally straight. It seems like it's just a clip show. Um, I came on to Community a little bit later. And so I saw this episode. It was like the third or fourth episode I ever saw. And I assumed it was just a clip show. Turns out when you actually watch every episode that came before it, none of those clips that happened were in any other episodes. But they packaged it so well, just like any other clip show, that it seemed really – it seemed like a normal clip show even though it was brand new, awesome idea for a clip show. Yeah. You know, some of the clip shows that I'm – used to or that I remember when I would stay up late watching, you know, late night TV, they would have these infomercials for these videos that you could purchase uh, for these old comedy shows like the Friars Club and the Carol Burnett show. And those were essentially clip shows that I was watching. And then you would get the tapes, which were essentially just the best clips from those various TV shows. And you could buy them if you were if you happen to be awake you could write down the phone number if you were awake at 2:30 in the morning or whatever right which i mean as a kid <laughs> i probably was more yeah. often than i should have been yeah clip shows will often highlight certain segments that crop up over and over again and one of the great segments that we only had a couple of but i think jeff just brought an extra uh, panache too it was his old jolly good shows <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Jolly Good Shows. We film scholars here at Jolly Good Shows have often discussed among ourselves the amazing comedic talent of such entertainers as Chaplin, Fields, Keaton, and we would be remiss in carrying out our scholarly responsibilities if we did not mention the works of Carrie. In the 1994 comedy classic Dumb and Dumber, Two imbeciles embark on a cross-country adventure together. And, of course, hilarity ensues. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It is truly a comedy classic of the highest order, and the American viewer will be excused for not grasping the subtleties and dignified manner in which the classically trained thespians carry out their masterful scenes. 
Let us observe one such scene. Who are you? We are the knights who say... Good show, old man. Or, for you Americans out there, man that is funny. Wow. That seems like two years ago, Cole. And it probably (laughs) was. It's fun looking back on the different things. And often the clip show will happen on the series finale. I know Warehouse 13, one of my favorite sci-fi shows, uh, implemented a sort of a clip show to send their characters off. And other shows have done this as well. This isn't our grand finale, Jeff. It's just a a marker on to 100 more. All right. That is super exciting. Cole, one of the things that we've done in each one of our hundred episodes is to pan for good. There's good in them there hills. <laughs> and I'm hoping that uh, you're going to tell me that we have a clip to one of our favorite panning for good moments that we can revisit. You know, the core of screen cleaning is looking for the good and bringing families together through media. And one of the goodest moments, I think, through the series of our show is when you've brought in your family around movies. So the clip that we have here is a review of a a new movie at the time from a couple years ago by your cute little daughters. Before Cole and I review Incredibles 2, we wanted to hear a pre-screening perspective from a couple of fans of the original Incredibles. I'm standing here with a couple of superhero authorities and really kid movie authorities, and I'm curious to know, are superheroes real? Mm, Yeah. No. Really? How do you know they're not real? Because I haven't seen any. Oh, okay. What is it that superheroes do? They help people if they're in trouble. Save people from bad guys. I know you like superheroes. What is it that you like about them so much? They have these cool powers. What would your powers be if you were a superhero? Mm, Invisible. So the bad guys cannot see me. Fire. Fire? What do you think you could do with that? Why would you want to have fire powers? So I can burn bad guys. What would your superhero name be? Mm-hmm. Would it be Indecisive Girl? Yes. <laughs> what are you most looking forward to seeing in The Incredibles 2? Their new powers. I don't know. You don't know? Are you just going for the popcorn and candy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the truth comes out. Okay. <laughs> oh, I miss my girls. I mean, I, I get to see them every day, but it just makes me want to go home right now. And they were literaler then. Like, the fun of a clip show is you get to look back and reminisce a little bit because a lot of the shows that we watch over time take up a long period of time. We grow up with them. And so your girls were a couple years younger when they came on and and gave us a little review of Incredibles 2. It's fun to look back. Well, we got to do that again, Cole, because I don't think my voice is aging. We got to get some people on here that we can document them growing up so that I've got something for posterity, Cole. Sounds good. Yeah. 
It's something for the next hundred shows for us to do. Right. All right. That's the goal. So we can't wait to bring you our 200th episode, which will happen in, you know, just a couple of years. But that's okay because we will be here and we will continue to bring you the very best in entertainment each and every week here on Screen Cleaning on BYU Radio. And please go Google Screen Cleaning Podcast and look up some of these favorite episodes that we've shared with you from the last few years and uh, you will enjoy it. Before we get to episode 200, let's tackle 101 next week. Sounds good, Cole. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we'll see you next time on Screen Cleaning.